Hello friends, how's it going? Two episodes in a week, what's going on? Well what's going on is I've been pretty busy this last month doing various events, speaking bits, generally getting out and about. Been really really fun but it's been pretty exhausting to be honest which is why I've got this cold and I'm currently sounding proper bunged up. Anyway one of the events that I did do mid-cold as you're going to hear was the London Surf Film Festival where I was lucky enough to be this year one of this year's media partners I believe alongside my friends from Carve. Big thank you to Chris Nelson and Demi Taylor for getting me involved in this one. Now as part of this I hosted the Saturday night where I presented a couple of films uh, one of which was Turning Tides one of the winners of the inaugural DB fund well it was a short edit of their film and Blood Type Plastic, the beautiful and uh, unsettling new short by my pal Owen Toza. And, and this is what you're about to listen to, I also hosted a special workshop with Owen and three other filmmakers. Big C writer and producer Chris Nelson, Maddie Meddings, director of Yammer, which won Best International Short at the festival, and The Brilliant Point of Change by Rebecca Coley, which scooped Best British Film. Point of Change, by the way, is absolutely brilliant. I watched it a week ago and it's I'm still sort of living with it, to be honest. Like, really just an extraordinary, in-depth, detailed, beautifully done, subtle piece of work uh, about the history of NIAS, but really about so much more than that. So really seek that one out when it comes out. All right, now this session, I'm going to warn you up front, bit of a sonic roller coaster, and not just due to the fact that I've clearly got a pretty bad cold. We recorded it live in front of a small audience at London's Riverside Studios and there was a lot of background noise as in vacuum cleaners, cinema goers walking through to the loo, joyful nippers legging it around but you know I once recorded an episode with a massively hungover Brian Gucci on the banks of the Thames on a busy pre-Christmas Sunday. I don't personally mind a little bit of background atmos but I'm definitely pushing it to the limit um eagles style with this one so i hope you can stick with it because there is some proper gold here from these four about the art of filmmaking storytelling creativity and all the rest they're all at different points in their career careers they've all got very distinctive styles and approaches and i think it's this that means this chat has got such depth and resonance also the questions from the panel which were great sorry from the audience which are great so Let's have a listen, but before I do so, let, you know, thanks to the panellists for being such good sports, to London Surf Film Festival for having me, and to the small crowd that came along for being super engaged and up for it. The London Surf Film Festival is such a brilliant, quintessentially British event. Demi and Chris have been running it for years now, driven by a passion for surfing and the culture, and they've fostered a really inclusive and open take on surfing, which for me should be celebrated and supported, which is why I was there this year and why I'll be there every year. Anyway, I'll be back at the end, but in the meantime... Here's me, Chris, Maddie, Rebecca and Owen. Enjoy. Let me just check my signal. Signal seems pretty good. Hello. How's it going? All right. Um, So my name's Matt. uh, I'm a journalist and podcaster. I run a thing called Looking Sideways very good friends with this panel very good friends with chris and demi who organized the festival um it looks weird that i'm holding the microphone and you can't hear anything through pa it's because i am going to record this for the podcast that i do um so bear with us on that one um so it's gonna be quite informal this like obviously the guys said you want to come and do something about storytelling and creativity um so really interested in input from everybody here because i'm guessing if you came to this you've probably got an interest in this and you've probably got a few questions and really we've got four of the you know foremost storytellers and creatives in surfing right now 
Um, so what I'm going to do next is ask them to introduce themselves. I'm going to ask a few questions um, based upon their projects that they've got out now because they've all got films out now, which are all, you know, um, brilliant, but also like quite different. So I think it's a really good way into the conversation. Um, I've got three topics I'm going to speak to them about, and then I'm going to open it to the floor for people to ask their own questions. So how does that sound? All good? Yeah, everyone in? Everyone up for that? I recognise you from Instagram, I think. Hello, how are you? No, it's really nice, though, to see people that you know that listen to this. So, um, right. That was a very modern yeah yeah you know um owen grab the mic introduce yourself hi everybody speak up a bit i'm a photographer and a filmmaker and i work a lot with matt on the looking sideways project taking portraits of his interviewees occasionally um yeah i've got a film showing tonight if you're sticking around so please do let me know what you think afterwards um yeah that's me you do more than that though come on owen's also an artist a designer um yeah uh, many strings to his bow, which I'll probably speak to him about in a minute. Um, Maddie. Hello, I'm Maddie. I'm a photographer and filmmaker as well. <laughs> I feel like you're going to get a lot of this tonight. Yeah. Um, but my film is also showing tonight. It's called Yammer. Um, and yeah, just excited to like talk about the process. Mainly just like question these lot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought there might be a bit of that as well. Like, you know, if you've, if you've got questions for each other, because we've had a little WhatsApp group and everyone's been a bit like, can I see your film? Like, you know, like what to sort of share their own work and obviously a bit of process as well. So yeah, fire, fire in. Um, Becky, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Um, yeah, I'm Becky and I made a film called Point of Change, which screened on Thursday night. And yeah, you have to speak a bit. All right. Project, project. Project. And, uh, yeah, I'm a filmmaker and, yeah, I made a film called Point of Change about Nias and, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this as well. I love talking about storytelling and creativity yeah. and all of that and I love everyone's films that I've seen so far Yeah. and I can't wait to see the big C. A multi-award winning filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you missed it, we know there's no PA and we know there's no speakers. It's just being recorded down here. Um, so everyone is going to have to project quite a lot here. Yeah, Chris. Okay. Um, my name's Chris Nelson. Um, I'm a writer um, and a filmmaker, as we all seem to be. And an event um, organizer. Yes, a co-founder of the London Surf Film Festival. Um, I've written a few books, one called Co-Water Souls, which was about searching for the pioneers of cold water surfing. And I'm also making a film with Lewis Arnold and Demi Taylor um, called The Big Sea, which is about a neoprene secret um, kind of toxic legacy and its links to surfing and Cancer Alley. Something that I have uh, extensively banged on about on the podcast, in fact. Um, okay, so there you go. So, yeah, project like Chris, I think. That was, th- that was the way to do it. Um, yeah, if you can't hear, just put your hand up at the back and then we'll know. Yeah, just do what I do when I'm recording the podcast. Go like that. A lot. A lot to guess. I'm always like that. Bit more, bit louder, bit louder. Um, okay, first question I had for the panel today. Um, got my notes here. How did you choose this story? Um, that you've made your current films about? Um, because obviously you're all creatives. You've, uh, Becky, I'm going to start with you. Um, you you've, all, you've all, obviously we've heard you all like do various things. You all take various projects on. So I'm, I'm assuming there's a process involved where you think, all right, that's the thing I'm going to dedicate my time to here. Um, especially, I want to start with you guys because you two, your projects are very involved. You know, like they're, 
They're things you've very clearly been working on for years um, and they've been a really long creative process. So the question I've got is, how do you choose the projects for yourself as a creative person and what are you thinking about conveying to the audience when you when you start that? So Becky, Point of Change, absolutely brilliant by the way. I watched it the other night um, in preparation for this and I was genuinely blown away. And, and I think you can really see like the, the love, the time, the effort that's gone into this because you've been trying to make this film for quite a few years, right? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's been probably more than ten years. Higher. Um, Just shout. Okay, so yeah, I've been trying to make this film for a really long time, and um, I'm really yeah. I I mean, I I always wanted to make a film in Nias. I can't explain exactly what it was at the beginning. It was right. just a really interesting place that there was just something about it and then I met Bonnet who was this amazing local girl who was like from a Muslim family and she became the first Indonesian champion surfer and and her story was amazing to me like she was such a pioneer because she was going to have an arranged marriage and right kind of stuck in that life and she was the only one who'd got out of Nias and got sponsored and you know was living the dream as they as everyone like all the locals wanted to have and yeah. so that was how it started but then I just kept finding hearing more and more stories and then it just kind of developed and grew from there yeah and was it difficult to keep a handle on the number of themes in there because obviously (laughs) there there are it's a surf film it's a history in Nias it's about colonialism it's about the impact of tourism um I mean there's more I'm just sort of scratching the surface there like it's 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 a really great piece of work like how did you kind of corral all that into like one narrative because it's really it it still flows really well. It's really subtly done the way you've pulled it all together. Like how difficult was that? Yeah, that was definitely the hardest part. I think, as you know, that that was tough because there was so many th- there were so many themes and there's so many interesting things about it. Yeah. So it was just trying to delve into like what's like at the core of it. And I think I was trying to say something that wasn't necessarily being talked about that much at the beginning, but now I feel like it's a much more common conversation. Yeah. So. It was just trying to figure out how to set, how to tell that, and and yeah, I was thinking about the audience, like what are they gonna get from this, and how can you do it in a way that everyone will relate? Yeah. And you know, at different times, people would say about the edit, maybe you should more like bang on about what your opinion is, and I was like, no, I really don't want to do that. I want to present like both sides and look at the positive and negative of the whole situation make it a bit more nuanced because you know like i feel especially at the moment the world's so full of polarities but actually we as humans are so we're so much more complicated than that and there's so much more going on and so i really wanted the film to give room for that yeah well it's really even-handed because it would be quite easy to sort of editorialize wouldn't it you know and be like right you know this is what i think about this because some emotive issues in there for sure there's some i won't you know i won't spoil it if you've not seen it but there's definitely a few things in there that are emotionally you know they they hit quite hard and yeah i thought the way that you managed to sort of not put yourself too much into it as a filmmaker and and kind of leave it for the audience to judge was was one of the main things that i took from it as as a filmmaker um chris so you know we've been we i first spoke to you about the big c a year ago at this event um, and at that point, you were already, I think, a couple of years in, weren't you, maybe? Two years in? Yeah. 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 So the, I think the, the, the first question, I mean, maybe if you briefly tell people who haven't seen the film or don't know anything about the film, what it's about. Um, and, then I, and then the question I want to ask you is, like, 
it's evolved, hasn't it, this story, over, over the process of you making it. And I want to understand, like, how that's been for you as a creative and a filmmaker. Like, yeah. you know, a constantly fast-moving story, like how you've kept tabs on it. Mm. Um, well, I, I first heard about the story from a friend of mine who said that a mutual friend of ours, Lewis Arnold, had gone over to America, had found about, out about this story, and he'd found out that neoprene was being manufactured in a place called Cancer Alley which kind of tells you a lot about the story. It's a region between New Orleans and Baton Rouge along the banks of the Mississippi, which used to be former slave plantations. And the population that lives there are the ancestors of the slaves that worked the land. And because this land was freely available and quite cheap, a lot of petrochemical industries moved in there. And one of them f was formerly Dupont's, now Denka, manufactures neoprene, which as surfers we all use. And so that neoprene has been used in wetsuits. Um, and so that was a story that Lewis found out about and he went over to cover it kind of from a photojournalistic point of view. And then when Lewis and I started talking about it, we kind of said, look, there's a feature documentary in here. Let's delve more deeply into it. Let's kind of go back there. Let's shoot some more. Let's talk to people. And so we did a return trip and then we managed to raise some money and go back and do a, another um, round of filming with the local population and surfers as well to get their take, people from the surf industry. I think one of the things that I find really interesting, having had like a ringside seat really, is, is this film's been made as friends of Chris Lewis and Demi and someone who's been covering it as a journalist is the fact that, you know, if we're talking in this conversation about creativity and storytelling, like the art of that, like you guys went all in, didn't you? You know, you had this idea, you, you, you saw this was an important story, and, you know, you've, you you had no money, you know, like it wasn't like people were like knocking down the door to sponsor this because obviously it's a pretty unfashionable story that the surf industry does not really want to hear. Um, you financed that by, you know, you sold cars, you financed it yourselves. You also did something quite interesting, which was that you showed a cut here last year and then you launched a crowdfunder, right? Um, was that a scary thing to do as, as someone who's making that to sort of show your hand that early? if you like, to try and finance it? Yeah, I think it was a, a double-edged sword in that I think if you're a traditional documentary filmmaker, if you get a story like that, the normal way of doing it would be you make the film and then you drop it and basically the surf industry looks really bad because it's been using a substance from a place called Cancer Alley and as a documentary filmmaker you've broken this story. Whereas our approach was slightly different because we thought so many people go to Cancer Alley I mean, we didn't discover the story, you know, the, the story of the issues impacting the population have been covered quite extensively. But we, so many people go and then they tell the story and then they leave and nothing changes. And we thought if we, if we are going to make a change, we kind of want to bring the surf industry with us. So by making them part of the story and telling them the story, then hopefully they will respond and a change will happen and that will be part of the story of the film and then if surfing can make a change then because neoprene is used in so many industries it's used in footwear it's used in the automotive industry it's used in building but surfing is kind of the poster child of neoprene because if if you say neoprene everybody thinks wetsuits so if we thought if surfing moves away from it then when people start saying well why has surfing moved away from neoprene you know, why is my cycle brand using it? Or why is it in my Wellington boots that I wear? Or, you know, my yoga mat? It starts a conversation and then other brands have to kind of respond to that. So I think that was our motivation in kind of dropping the story early, 
trying to get the conversation going and then hopefully by the time the film was finished then a change would have happened how'd that go i mean i mean good and bad i think i when we started out i was really optimistic then i went through a phase of thinking you know surfing's like a beer moth and it's just not going to change but now i'm more optimistic because i feel like a lot of brands have started to make a change you know if you look at xl if you look at sea skins you know, XL is a performance surf brand that doesn't sell itself as being, you know, an eco brand. And they've made a pledge to move to natural rubber by 2026. And if a, a brand that sells itself purely as performance can make that change, then why can't Rip Curl and brands that sell themselves as being eco? You know, it, it, the, performance wise, it's just as good. It's the same price. It actually comes from trees. It doesn't come from petrochemical. So... So what's the excuse? You know, you, you have to ask brands why are they not making that change? And I think that's what our film's trying to, trying to ask. Um, Maddie, so Yamasurf, is, that, is it full, full title Yamasurf or is it just Yammer? It's just Yammer, actually. Yammer, yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things I find really interesting about this project is that you worked on it with uh, mutual friend Lucy Small, uh, who spoke to you for the podcast, um, and you'd never met before, no. you, before you went to do it. Yeah. Like, so you, fl- you literally went to Ghana, right? And that was the first yeah. time you'd met. Mm-hmm. So how was that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's always a bit of a risk <laughs> spending two weeks, like, doing really quite intense filmmaking um, with someone you've never met before, a stranger. Um, but, we, yeah, I think we got really lucky. <laughs> and we sort of, she got in um, a day later than me by accident, um, <laughs> which is kind of like funny initially. And I went and met her at the airport and we kind of had a chat about it. And I think pretty instantly we were like, oh, this is gonna work right. if we get on. Um, so that's a relief. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it worked out. It, it, yeah, it really worked out. And then the whole process of like edit and post-production afterwards was cool. Cause we were kind of getting to know each other. And, and yeah, I, I think we got really lucky in the fact that we work well together as well. Right, um, yeah. interesting word, lucky. Yeah, because you know, it because it is a gamble, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the, the yeah. for you to just rock up and be like, because you'd met on social media, right? Yeah, we'd zo- we'd met on social media and then we'd zoomed a few times. And, yeah, uh, and yeah, we'd had lots of chats beforehand, so I think we kind of knew that we were quite aligned in terms of our views and our ideas and filmmaking and creative practice and stuff. But yeah, yeah you never know. You might you might hate someone. <laughs> yeah. So we all have those people that were sort of like, oh, you rubbed me up the wrong way. And luckily she isn't one of them. So. Well, I, I mean, I think when you, you know, me and Owen have worked together on a lot of projects and, and even when you get on, you argue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rueful smile from Owen there. <laughs> um, so it is, it, is a, it is a full gamble. But like how, what I'm interested in with that then f- f- for this film, like how much of, this, of an idea of the story did you and Lucy have? Like, bef- you, know, when, you know, when you turned up and then how much did it change as you started to make the film? Yeah, so we, we did have an idea of the film um beforehand and actually um she was the one that sort of was following surf ghana and i came in a little bit later so it wasn't my idea initially um but as soon as she kind of gave me the brief and was like would you like to be involved i was of course like yes (laughs) yeah i do um and yeah so we had an idea of the story but also it um I think initially we went into it thinking it would be a surf edit and it really isn't um mainly because we kind of we we I mean we got skunked a little bit (laughs) at points but we did also get some really good waves it kind of but we 
I think the main thing was that actually the story just changed and revealed itself whilst we were out there and there was a couple of things that kind of didn't quite go the way we were expecting them to but they ended up opening the story to lots of other things that we hadn't planned to speak about and yeah I feel like we're both actually really happy with what the story ended up being yeah rather than what we'd kind of planned so um, do you think that flexibility that you both had then helped you to navigate that situation yeah yeah definitely yeah I think yeah so one of you know one of the things that changed was that the girls that we were working with um, down on the coast in Bouzois in Ghana they um, they go to school and they finish school at 3 p.m. and their surf window is 3 p.m. until 5 and that is when they surf rain or shine um, pretty much every day and even more at the weekends and it's great and so we were like cool okay that's our window and um, and you know sometimes the surf was really rubbish yeah. <laughs> at those times and you're like oh okay <laughs> um, so you know you're not getting those amazing like cinematic images of, of waves and like the girls like doing amazing turns and stuff like that because the waves just aren't there for it but it meant that we kind of spent time with them training and we did a lot of kind of sort of exploring the local area with them and it felt like we got to know them a lot better than we might have if we if I was 10 meters away from them just filming the whole time yeah yeah so yeah it's kind of you come across things like that and you're constantly making decisions but yeah yeah Owen so your film uh blood type plastic is um really really impactful you know so it's for this film uh common this uh charity common seas right yeah common seas uh ocean plastics charity yeah um and i'm not giving too much away to say that the film is about how we've all got plastic in our blood basically um so common seas have done research right um and they found that not only is plastic everywhere as we all know like in terms of pollution but but we carry it in our blood right 77 percent of us yeah i mean of of people studied Uh, it's a small study um the question the question is how do we pick up our themes right so yeah, I guess. So um, this is my so well, I, my question is like how when you've got such a punchy idea as that and you've and you've only got a short amount of time like how did you decide on the treatment that you gave it? Um the treatment was it's quite interesting because it's such a difficult thing to make a film about. Yeah. It's a microscopic. You could go uh, any way, right? You could yeah. you could go really scientific. Um, you could, you know, you got so many options. And we didn't really have a lot of options cuz Joe the who runs the charity is a very busy woman. Uh, who, and she she commissioned the the study, so she had a, a window of a day to shoot, and just really wanted to tell, wanted to get the story out there. Yeah. And we had to find a way to kind of make a film about something that was very difficult for us to to film, um, and make it personal. Really, that was a kind of decision was to make it personally about her and how she felt about discovering, because she put herself forward into into the study as one of the people who put their blood across to be to be kind of put in the lab yeah um and she discovered that she has plastic in her blood right and um and it's really about her processing that and and um and and just getting us all to think about how weird that is actually it's uh i mean it's very everyone because even even if you haven't if you're not one of the 77 percent someone you know is so well it's pretty high number yeah (laughs) Yeah. even if you're in the 24 it's still a concern, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you bring me nicely onto the next question that I want to ask. And after this, I'm going to, you know, if you've got questions, start thinking about it, get your hand up. Um, restrictions in creativity, which is a topic that I raised on our WhatsApp group. And everyone was like, good question. Because, you know, that is a thing, isn't it? And I think when you start out, 
you have this idea that you're going to have, you know, you, you're going to get this like promised land, you're going to get the budget that you want, you're going to get all the time in the world, it's all going to unfold for you, but it never really happens like that, does it? So how, you know, obviously you were restricted there, Owen, because you had a, you said you had a day, basically, you yeah, know, like, you is, is that is that common, like that scenario? It's much more common than you think. I think any time you watch a film as a filmmaker, you are aware how difficult it is to, finish a film sometimes any film and um and and most filmmakers i know come up against you know massive walls throughout the process and so i'm always just super impressed if i see a film that i love that is moving or amazing in any way i'm just impressed you know just at the achievement of making something that isn't garbage really because yeah. you know it's so <laughs> difficult to keep it on track sometimes and um and you do have to be creative and you do have to come up with ways of telling stories that are, are difficult to tell yeah sure there's a there's there's a Steven Soderbergh quote which is like a script is a collaborative note that you hope your collaborators can read, you know, because obviously there's so many people involved. Yeah, it's an achievement just getting, you know, getting it out the door to, to get that vision intact at the end of that process is obviously basically a huge challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Becky, did you have a similar experience with making this film in terms of restrictions and how it informed the end product? Yeah, I mean there were so many along the way I was just thinking like then choose one which one um <laughs> there were loads I mean yeah there's so many things that you think will go a certain way and they don't I mean you know there's so there's so many stories I remember the first time we took a drone out was like the beginning of drones and it was like Marek who was our cinematographer's girlfriend was bringing out the drone and it had been this really big deal to get it out there and then it came in this massive box. It's like not like drones now. And literally the first flight, it just dropped into the middle of the Gundy Bay. We just like, <laughs> oh my God, we didn't even shoot anything, you know? And things like that. It was just like, oh, we had all these plans and, you know, and you just have to adapt. And, you know, another time I was looking for specific local people that I really wanted to talk to. And I had photos of them. And I'm like, this guy used to be the chief. And when, once I speak to him it's going to be great and the story's going to unfold and then you know I spoke to the wrong guy or like I couldn't <laughs> find him or you know it was just like or sadly someone had passed away it was just it was just like constant kind of like okay well how do we you know go what else what else should we do how else can we do this part yeah and do you, do you find that stressful yeah I mean at the time well it's always like we're running out of money and how are we gonna you know how are we gonna do the next bit so it's always just like well, let's just get this next step done and then figure out how to, yeah. you know, figure it out on the way. <laughs> yeah. Similar question to you, really, Chris. Like, one of the important things about the big C is you need, you, need, you need access, don't you? You need access to people. You need access to different viewpoints. And I'm guessing perhaps you didn't get all the access that you might have wanted. And, like, you know, you've got a surf industry that perhaps doesn't really want to play ball, you know. Like, so did that require you to get creative in terms of how you told the story? Yeah, I think the the first story we really wanted to tell and we were really aware from the outset that we were, I mean, ultimately we were two white guys going to Cancer Alley to tell what is a, a, a very, you know, a black story, a, a story with a lot of history. Um, you know, there's a it, it is a classic example of environmental racism and we're obviously middle-class white guys going in there trying to talk to the people. And, and so our emphasis was it's not our story to tell it's it's the 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 community there it's their lived experiences that we want to communicate so that was the that was how we went into the story 
and then the access i think our budget was really small so i mean it there was only enough for lewis and i to travel there you know we stayed in a hotel room together we had a hire car we drove around we rang people up and we said can we come and film with you and i think because our budget was so small it ended up being a blessing really because two people coming into your home to talk to you about your experiences it's not a film crew you know and they're not setting up lights and things like that it was all shot with natural light um and then because obviously we spoke to a few people and then they would tell somebody else look you should t speak to these people you should tell them your story and so word of mouth word of mouth was really helpful for us yeah and and i think we got a lot of access that we wouldn't have got if we were a film crew so some of the people we really wanted on the list we managed to get i think because you know we were two people staying in a hotel room in reserve i mean that was one of the questions you know when we thought when we ring people up and we'd say you know are you available to film and they go well where are you are you in new orleans and we go no we're in reserve and they go really right you know because i think they're used to you know some they'd speak to somebody and they'd be like yeah we're in new orleans we'll be there in an hour and yeah we'd be like we're you know two minutes down the road right right um, okay so it's a way of like engendering trust almost yes like, and turn it to your advantage yeah and we never even thought about staying in new orleans you know we were yeah. like well what's the nearest hotel that you know we stayed in a holiday inn it was like yeah you know two minutes away and yeah yeah, yeah. and full of workers from the chemical plant who were yeah <laughs> so we were staying there yeah um so yeah, that that the the lack of budget I think turned into a, a bit of a, a blessing, really. Yeah, yeah. Maddie, it sounds like it was quite similar for you from what you were saying earlier. You know, having restricted surf times was the example that you gave, and like how that informed it. But was that also a bit of a feature, like the fact that you, you know the the time, the the sort of short period that you had to make the film, almost had a you know a hand in the end result? Like, did it help yeah. with the way it developed the story? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think also just like kind of you spoke about access then and um, one of the women who um, really, really helped us was this lady called Sandy who you'll see in the film later and she is amazing. She runs um, Skate Ghana and Freedom Skate Park in Accra and she is a busy woman and she is like trying to run this non-for-profit um but also just trying to like live herself and so when we were there they uh <laughs> who was it they had lonely planet and they, she was like yeah i was gonna kind of show you around the city but i kind of got to do this job and we were like you go that's fine we'll figure it out <laughs> um so she went and did that and then we were like okay <laughs> like what do we do <laughs> right and so we ended up just all the girls that are there there's like skaters we were like can you can you just sort of show us around and they were like yeah and so they took us to like restaurants and um and places like that like, and told us just gave us amazing recommendations and we sort of ended up hanging out with them maybe a bit more than we would have if we right. sandy had been our tour guide so okay. um and kind of yeah just saw some things that maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise and yeah 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 so it does you just got to go with it I think. yeah <laughs> i mean like final one for you before we uh hand it over like um you know we've talked over the years about grand ideas that we've got and like you know how if we had again like i say like you know unlimited budget and blah 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 what we'd like to do do you ever get used to that as a creative just thinking like well actually these restrictions are part of it and they improve it or is it a source of frustration i think you have to get used to it and, and i think it often makes the project better i think like being able to overcome obstacles and especially when you find a team of people that you work really well with and you can trust and you know basically a lot of filmmaking especially documentary or kind of 
unscripted filmmaking it, it's about following threads and and solving problems a lot of the time and i think um you just have to get used to it. i've got lists of films i'd want to make i've yeah. never even started or you know but um some of my best work is just stuff that i've made on the day you know just yeah. sort of uh, responding to what's happening it's, it, you have to do that yeah 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 it's essential um any questions for this panel and so i knew you were going to put your hand up <laughs> I'll just repeat it on air just so so the question was like how do you maintain focus over the period like 10 years you said in this case and then do you ever worry about the fact that the stuff that you do at the end is better than what you started at the beginning the quality (laughs) control maintaining the quality control yeah that's great question yeah I well I mean you know you're doing other things at the same time so yeah there were definitely times where I'd come back and I'd be like okay I feel quite depressed about how that shoot went or something right. didn't go right and I would be like I'm just going to get on with some other things like work or do you know do something else for a while um, because it was such a big project we wanted to raise money more money to like have animation music you know to elevate it and so yeah I was always trying to push for a higher quality and you know it was my own footage that was probably letting it down the most but in the end like the thing about using that was like okay so we've got this like beautiful super 8 from the 70s and then um you know there's some 16 mil from the 80s and then there's like some really bad 90s like digital footage that i'd taken but it was like that kind of worked we just kind of like went let's just make that part of the yeah the story of moving through time you know um but yeah, I, felt, I always felt like my footage was probably letting the project down the most. So it's like, how do we how do we use that? Because when I shot, for example, I shot the stuff after the tsunami. I never, I just thought I was doing a little news report for for back home at that time. I never thought it would end up being used in this um, bigger feature. So, yeah, like definitely. And then, I mean, with keeping focus, it's just one of those things where I think as storytellers or as filmmakers, you know, you always have that thing. Like if you've got that, you just really want to do it and you just keep, com- it just keeps nagging at you, doesn't it? And then you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> got to try again. It's kind of like that, really. I mean, it's a lot like surfing, I think, sometimes that thing of like, you kind of get bashed by <laughs> about a bit, you know, by the ocean. And then you just got to get back up and get out there again. Yeah. Were there any minutes where you thought, I'm never going to get this done? Oh, yeah, loads. <coughs> yeah. I right. mean, there were a couple of times where I was like, I think I need to give up for my own sanity. Sorry, right. I'm pouring my water away. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I thought about giving up right. quite a few times. Um, right. Because it was just so big and what I wanted to do seemed quite, um, you know, sort of beyond what I could actually achieve. But really? then, yeah, I think in terms of, you know, I could have finished it as a very talking heads documentary quite a few years earlier, but I was like, no, like I really want this story to be told in a more like creative way so then it just meant you know that I was kind of like saying well but I can't so how am I going to do it so I just yeah there were times where I was like I don't know how I'm going to get to the end yeah yeah
So how do you balance authenticity in storytelling with your desire to tell the story that you want to tell effectively? And Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the, yeah, like the the balance between like making something visually appealing and also being honest it might be an interesting one for you, this Chris, because I mean that's squarely what's going on with the Big C, I think, isn't it? And if I could just add a point to that in the in the context of the Big C, obviously, you know, it's how do you fit surfing in, isn't it? Mm. As well, because you have put surfing in there, but really, it's not about surfing that film, is it? Like you say, it's about environmental racism at the end of the day, you know, it's, and it's about all these bigger themes. So, yeah, it's a really good question. Like, how did you balance that, you know, this, the, the honesty and the authenticity with the kind of visual beauty of what you were trying to do? I think uh, going back to my basic instincts about storytelling, I've always been, I've always been attracted to, like, um, narrative nonfiction, and I've never wanted to to do stories that were about myself. So like when I did Cold Water Souls, I went to all these places and found these people, but I ne it wasn't about my journeys going there. It was purely about the people that I found. And so it felt quite natural telling this story because this wasn't our story to tell. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, it was a really happy coincidence because I think Lewis and I worked really well together in that Lewis was quite insistent that this was going to be a film about surfing and I wanted to make it, uh, you know, as much about Cancer Alley as possible. And I think the balance works really well um, because it, it is about both things, you know, and you can get completely obsessed. Like it is an obsessive, it is a story that you get obsessed about. Yeah. And it does dominate your life when you know these things. Um, Did you have conflict at any points about that? Because obviously they're quite, you know, diametrically opposed goals, really. You know, if it's mm. like we're going to make a surf film or we're going to make a documentary, it's... You know, I think finding alignment might have been difficult, right? Yeah, it's been really interesting in, in that whenever we do an edit, we always go, well, we're obviously going to fall out about some bits or right. we're obviously going to disagree about this. And then we go into it and then we kind of go backwards and forwards like, you know, table tennis and we make suggestions. And then ultimately it's, it's all gone quite smoothly, really. I've been quite surprised because um, I think there's been bits where I thought I'll really... <clears throat> fight to keep that bit yeah and then actually when i've seen it i've gone i don't think that works yeah and lucy's gone i don't think that works or demi's gone i don't think that works and then so i think it, it there haven't really been any bits where we've like almost you know come to a log jam about yeah and um so i think we've been quite lucky in that another important part of that question obviously was also about personal biases wasn't it you know in terms of like how especially with such a sensitive story. And, you, you know, you made the point earlier, you two white blokes going to, you know, it's like white saviorism is obviously quite a, quite a danger here, you know, in this topic. And it's, it's also something that I think the surf industry have accused you of, isn't it? As a, mm. as a, as a, as a way of debunking, like um, undermining what you try to do. So how have mm. you handled that? I mean, well, both parts of it, actually, yeah. the, the parts of like, you know, your approach and then and then the accusation, if you like. I mean, we we basically took our lead from the community and we were telling the stories that the community told us and we were trying to reflect the language that the, the community used. So like when we went into it, we were like, well, what's the language that we use? Do we, is, is this an African-American story? Is this a black story? You know, is this a minority story? And so we took our language from the language that the community uses and they say we, you know, we as a black community have been. So we, we've always tried to, you know, 
take our lead fr from how they communicate their story and that's that's basically that was the framework we've always worked within yeah yeah and were you surprised that the surf industry kind of responded while well, certain elements responded in that way to to, to the, the cut that was doing the rounds i was i was a little bit and i and from from quarters that i didn't necessarily expect it to come from i think they're they're uh, I mean, if you think about it, we're all still riding the same surfboards we were riding in the 50s, you know. They're made of the same materials. We're wearing the same wetsuits, you know. So this, this has become entrenched over many years. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's going to take a lot to, to shift the industry into new areas. And even when you think it should be an easy move, I yeah. think it's difficult for some of them to get their heads around it. Because yeah. it is a very lucrative industry and people yeah, yeah. are making a lot of money out of it. Yeah, it's going to be a big shift. Maddie, I think it's also an interesting question for you as well, because obviously, again, you know, you're two white filmmakers making a film about a black community. Mm -hmm. Was this something you were mindful of as well, you and Lucy, when you were making this film? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of, it was a constant, um, like, form of conversation between me and Lucy, but also with everyone that we were filming with. And I think, like, um, the, the kind of conclusion that we came to was that we chatted to Sandy a lot about it, and we kind of said, like you know we we want we want this to be an open conversation like we understand what how what this is and she and she was great and she kind of just said like look it, it will be amazing when we get to a point where um african and Ghanaian filmmakers are the ones that are telling their own story but we are they're just not there yet and it's through loads of reasons and some of that is to do with the fact that we are the colonial power that like was in charge of the transatlantic slave trade so it's awful um but it's kind of like that that is just where it is at the moment and so it's like is it better to go and and sort of provide a platform or is it better not to tell the story at all and we decided that it was better to like go and provide the platform but hopefully that you know at the moment Sandy's one of Sandy's main focuses is just trying to get the girls educated and get them like you know really technically proficient with um like recording and filming and photography and then yeah hopefully we're going to start seeing like so much more stuff coming out from um the filmmakers that are actually there living the story um which is exciting <laughs> Anyone else? I'm actually putting my hand up because I'm not sure if Rebecca might need to leave to get her flight. Ah. <laughs> that is... What an intervention. <laughs> so showbiz. Yeah. Are you turning left, yeah? Yeah. Right. Tell me, Tell me you've paid for speedy boarding for Rebecca. <laughs> um, anybody else? Yeah, hello. Um, thank you so much for this super interesting insight so far. I'm quite curious about the scope of your stories. Like, I'm sure you all have a lot of projects, and um, as you mentioned, I have lists of films I want to make. Could you describe the like the beginnings of creating the process a little bit? Like, I, I like to hear the different sources of where you get the story and how how does it form? How does yeah, great, great question. Yeah, how do you, how do you, what's the start of the process? Uh, well, for the film I've got showing tonight, Joe, the, the subject, came to me and asked me to make a film and how can we tell that story? So uh, it depends, really. I think it's, sometimes it comes to you, sometimes something catches your eye and you, you know, decide to pursue it. But I think every, every film's different for me anyway. I, I don't really have a tried and tested uh, way of finding a story. They just sort of, 
surface some way or another whether it's just for a conversation or a, an article or just someone literally calling up and saying hi can you make a film about this <laughs> you know, it can be that simple sometimes yeah i mean i i just did a really interesting conversation with quite a famous skate artist called thomas campbell and one of the things that i found quite interesting so he works in film music uh he's a photographer he's an artist he's an embroiderer he said something like he chooses the projects based upon how he feels emotionally he said that he feels like they have a different emotional tariff each yeah. of those um pursuits is that well could you um, empathize with that i can totally yeah when when joe came to me about this film i i, I was two weeks away from having my first child and I just, she phoned me up and said, I've got a project. And I just said, no, straight away. I, we, I had my last holiday booked uh, with my wife. And we, we, you know, there was no chance of me making a film. And then she told me what it was about. And I cancelled the holiday and made it because I just thought it was such an important story. And uh, yeah, I'm still yet to take that holiday. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really thought it was important enough to, to, to kind of change my plans and, and make it. So yeah, the, the, the emotional thing really for me, uh, makes a difference. Yeah, if, if I connect with the story, then I'm much more motivated to, to go and make it. Maddie, what about you? Similar question, because again, as we heard earlier, you work in different disciplines, you know, and you do a lot of creative work, you do a lot of commercial work. Like, where's the balance there? Um, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of, the balance is difficult because you sort of, when you have a passion project, you kind of put all of your energy into it. And sometimes you've got to be like, hang on a minute, I, I need to, I need to like get paid. <laughs> so you sort of, and you, when you are doing those projects, you close yourself off a little bit to other opportunities in ways that you kind of don't even realize. So then, you know, maybe you're, yeah, you're just so enthralled in it that yeah. you're not necessarily, you know, on the hunt like you might always be. But I think um, in terms of like, you know, finding those stories initially, you're totally right in saying that like some of them come to you and some of them you come across yourself. But I think it's a case of time, like, I'm still quite green, but I hope that uh, over time my sort of ability to, you know, get a, get a scent of a story and, and be like, that's worth telling, yeah. will kind of improve and grow. And it, or, and it already is, and I hope it continues to. Um, with Yama, it actually was Lucy's story that she was following. But with our next film, we um, it's based in Ecuador. And we were kind of like, uh, we, we had a few ideas for the next film on the table, and this one, we knew we wanted to tell it and we recently there was this referendum um, from the Ecuadorian people which is about saving like the Yusuni region which is the most biodiverse region in the world and they have voted not to get like not to let oil be extracted from there so they've stopped 726 million barrels of oil being extracted from the region which wow. is to the detriment of the Ecuadorian economy like they're going to crash and they forecasted that and they know it's going to happen but they've decided that the climate is much more important and so that was sort of happening at the time that we were putting this plan together and we were like we've got to tell this now like it's that you know we've got to show this and there's this momentum and people need to hear it and they you know we need to use these guys as sort of like a look <laughs> we yeah. need to follow suit so yeah i think sometimes things happen and you're like okay this is the time um yeah yeah mate uh, um i guess i'm curious if any of these like these projects go on for a while and presumably like especially if you're traveling somewhere you end up getting very immersed in the story and very like you get a deep kind of understanding and perspective on it but then trying to tell that to other people must be a hard thing that takes a bunch of iterations before like you get the story that connects so i'm curious like you must get people's feedback or whatever along the way to try and kind of learn how to help 
like it's, I guess there's a balance between doing what people tell you and doing what they say is good versus doing what you feel is good. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a really important part of the creative process, isn't it? So I guess your question is really like, you have an original idea, you make something, you start putting it out there in the world. I mean, Chris is a perfect example of that. You start showing different iterations, you start getting feedback, you start getting pulled left and right. How do you maintain that focus, really? Like, how do you maintain that artistic vision? Like, yeah, love to know, Chris. Because <laughs> here's the thing, isn't it? I think anyone that's creative, like, you know, it's that whole thing of like, you start out with like these brilliant ideas and it's, you know, it's that quite cliched picture is like, you know, this is shit. Like everyone's going to hate this, you know, like that, that mm. thing is, is challenging, isn't it? You know, mm. so how, how's that been in this project for you, Chris? I mean, it's, it's such a huge story that I think you could make like a, a documentary series about it. I mean, ev everybody you meet has an incredible story and you want to do justice to that story, but it's quite difficult when you get into the edit because some people tell you the same story, but slightly different, you know, and, and some people's, you know, uh, expression of the story is different. So there are people that we interviewed who probably won't make the film, right. but it, their stories were, are incredible and you feel attached to it and you want to include it and you want to, you know, give it, you know, a platform, but you just can't physically fit everything in, Yeah, you know? So I think when we put the first edit together, we were like, this is probably going to be like two hours long. Right. You know, and we've got to get it down to an hour and 10, an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it is difficult. I mean, the edit is the hardest part. What's been yeah. interesting for you though, is like you've put it out there before it's finished and it has been very heavily criticized from people who don't have the best intentions. Cause you're, you're kind of talking about like, I guess honest feedback aren't you in a way you know like almost like when you get you know when you put something out like I'll always send things that I do to Owen because I know he's going to tell me the truth you know as much as that's going to be difficult for me to hear like it's going to be helpful for me in the process but in your case you've got bad actors involved who are basically like whatever you do they're like this is shit mate you know this is not true like you're, yeah, yeah. so how's that been in terms of maintaining focus I mean we did we got we did get some criticism from the Surf Industry Manufacturers Association. And one of the things that they said was that we were misleading the community of Cancer Alley by telling them that surfers were responsible for the situation they were in. Which, you know, we took offence to because we're not telling them anything. Yeah. I mean, they're the experts. That community lives with this every day. And they know the cause, they know what's happening, and they were telling us the story. Yeah. So it's not like we were going in and going, dripping poison in their ear, yeah. going, it's surfers' fault. You with know, an agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they'd be going, well, who are you to come and tell us what's going on? We yeah. know what's going on. You know, so, I mean, for us, at the same time, it was kind of water off a duck's back because yeah. we just knew it wasn't true. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's obviously going to be people who, like you say, have an agenda and want to yeah. muddy the water. Yeah. They've got time for one more. If anyone's got one. Callum.
Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, that's the that's the classic like commerce v creativity question, really, isn't it? I mean, I think that's that's the same for any. Yeah, you, I think it's acute in 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 these industries because ultimately, if if you if you look at these two films, obviously they're and and Rebecca's film, they're dealing with like really big themes through the lens of surfing, which could be really incongruous if you didn't. If you didn't handle it firstly, A, but then secondly, if you're being paid, I mean, I've actually got a personal example of this. Like I'm making a documentary at the minute, a podcast documentary for a very famous brand, which is not that complimentary about that brand. So I'll get back to you on that because that is something that I'm, that I'm really mindful of. You know, like where's the line here? Like how, how much can this be like really honest journalism and how much can... Because they're, they're always going to have an agenda. They're always going to have a say, you know. And I think, I think that's... But I do think that's the same in any, you know... Even if you look at, like, films. Like, there's, there's so many famous examples of, like, things getting into the edit and then, the, and then the, the studio going, like, fuck that. You know, we're not having that in there, you know. So it is a bit of a thing. But I guess, yeah, like, is this something that you found in this industry? You know, for you, Chris, you've been telling stories in the surf industry for for 25 years 30 years like have you do you, do you recognize the point Colin's making is there a tension there between being honest and getting paid yeah i think probably all filmmakers you know come up against that i'm sure like maddie and owen have had the same thing with like you know when you're working for a client or someone who's paying the bills how honest can you be like when you're where you have a subject and you want to tell their story how much of that story can you tell how honest can you be I think for us with the surf industry, you know, Demi Lewis and myself have worked for the surf industry for, you know, many, many years and had some really good relationships with people in the industry that... Had. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can think of quite a few that are, are not the same, you know, because I think we've always thought we're just trying to tell an honest story, but that honest story reflects on people's livelihoods you know if you work for a brand and your job is selling this product and then we're telling a story that's not complimentary about it the sexy lion's gone on um but i think we kind of made a, a choice at the beginning and we were like look this could end really badly but yeah. if it does at least we'll have clear consciences in that we've kind of tried to do our best and tried to get the story out there yeah, yeah. i mean you you know you have a you do a lot of commercial work, but you also do a lot of passion projects. You know, like how do you decide, you know, what, it, what, how you're going to plot that path? I think it often just depends who's paying. You, you know, if you, want more, <laughs> if you want to do commercial work and get more commercial work, then you have to, um, you know, deliver a piece of work that they're happy with. Yeah. Uh, and that's why when you're paying for it yourself, like, you know, you guys had a low budget, which it sounds like you funded entirely yourselves. I'm not sure about you, Maddie, but it means you can tell your own point of view a little, or you can follow your own threads and you don't have to, jump through hoops quite so much and it's really nice to do both and I find both inform each other really well like yeah. you know you get the chance to kind of use posher kit and bigger crews and do more ex exciting things sometimes with uh, commercial work and then you can learn a load of stuff and make a load of contacts that you can then pull into passion stuff you know yeah um, and that's that's the real the benefit of doing both I think well I think it's the reality of a creative career isn't it as well yeah you have to balance it I think yeah yeah uh, all right one, la last one, last one, Pete. Um, 
thank you. Uh, I'm uh, let me just let me just. So uh, yeah. the the question is like a, a sty about style about Owen's style. Yeah. Yeah. What? I I think it, for me it's just really instinctive, and I just kind of do what feels right, and I don't I don't um, analyze it too much. I do ask trusted friends, you know, the feedback question. Um, I do run things by people who I trust. That's kind of why my film's here because I sent it to Demi um, for some feedback, um, and likewise, Matt, you know, is is a sounding board for me. But um, visually. I think it's just instinctive, I, the, the stuff I shoot f photographically. I don't really set out to do it in this style or that. It's just something that comes... When I, when I, I'm that just felt like the only way to do it to me, this one, because otherwise it was filming down a microscope and going to a lab and there was no access and, <laughs> and no, no time to do that. So it was like, okay, well, how, why is this an important message? It's, the reason it's so powerful is because it affects everybody sat here and and so you say it tell it from a personal point of view rather than a a kind of step back kind of uh scientific fact-based thing uh, and it it feels more personal and it, you can connect with it more i think so that for that particular one made sense to just tell it how it made her feel um but um yeah stylistically i think Oh, I, you know what I actually do sometimes set out to try and take a, an image or make a, a film in one way but it always ends up looking different if I try you know it's just, as soon as you put the viewfinder up as you probably know it just you do it the way you do it and it's hard to change your habit yeah I mean I've been lucky enough to work with Owen a lot though and like his instinct for this is is pretty remarkable he's playing it down like but there is a real like decisiveness about what you do I think where when you when you're working you always seem to you know you're like oh i just kind of you know you basically said oh i kind of wing it you know but there's there's like a there's a there is a you know the old ten thousand hours cliche that's got you to that point like where you've done the work to like have the right to be that instinctive and decisive Do you yeah i think i think um most creative people have their patterns they fall into and um their kind of comfort zone and, and it and um you approach things in a certain way, visually anyway, and, and but also in, in a storytelling way. It must be the same for you. I mean, this is coming from a great filmmaker himself. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, thank you. Probably time for a pint, isn't it? <laughs> can, I, can I just... Uh, I did just want to add one thing, cause, just because Pete's here. Because um, we did a film with Pete about Jack O'Neill, ironically, even though we went on to do the big C, but yeah, I remember, um, yeah. when, when, when Jack O'Neill passed away, O'Neill got in contact with Pete and said, will you make the film about Jack O'Neill and we're going to show it at the paddle out and it's going to be tell Jack's story. And Jack had been a really private person and he'd never really done a lot. And so Pete had this creative idea and he wanted it to be, um, I knew a man who changed the world, I knew Jack O'Neill. Because obviously Jack O'Neill, you know, pioneer of the wetsuit. So that creative spark, you know, there are people who have it and I think Pete's really kind of gifted in that way in that he can take an idea and he can see a vision and then he can give you like the start and go, this is what we want it to be. Yeah. And then that kind of leads on to kind of, it just informs the whole story and makes it really easy. Yeah. Because obviously finding the, that creative spark can be difficult and some people just have it and they go, this, this is the seed, you know, yeah. and there you go, run with it. 
All right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> See, I'm, I was like, I was sorry we had an hour, well, you see. So I, was like, <laughs> I was just going to say that. That's why I'm like, all right, everyone. Part of filmmaking is that, especially when you get into being a director or, or you know, making it, rather than a, a, a cameraman, is coming up with an idea and helping people to realize it, you know, and kind of not necessarily being a leader, but like, you know, leading a direction and, and kind of communicating an idea. Yeah. And um, that's what Pete does very well. And it's what, what you know, what obviously you do really well as well. Have got any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> All right, definitely sorry for that pint. Thank you, everyone. Nice one. So there you go. That was me, Maddie, Rebecca, Owen and Chris. And I hope you enjoyed it. Huge thanks, like I say, to everybody who came along, asked questions, hung out afterwards. And we're generally just a bunch of legends. And again, thank you, Chris and Demi at the London Surf Film Festival for inviting me, letting me host this evening and forgetting what I'm trying to do with the DB Fund. Now... I'm going to get some off my chest quickly here because I've already had a couple of old school surf, dinosaur, gatekeeper, bellend types question the idea of the DB fund and suggest that because it's pushing people at the beginning of their careers, it's something not valid or worthy. To this I say, you're missing the point by a country mile, you bitter old fuckers. Because that was the entire point of the fund, to not be dickhead gatekeepers and to give people a leg up at the beginning of their career. Now, why is this important? Because everybody starts at the beginning and everybody needs a break. If Chod at White Lines and Eddie SUK hadn't given me a chance way back in the 90s, there's no way I'd be doing what I'm doing now. And I had the misfortune of rereading some of those old editions of White Lines recently. And let me tell you, they were shit. <laughs> they were really bad. And it was really quite cringeworthy. But it doesn't matter because people loved it at the time. At the time, I thought it was great. And if I look at myself, I look at my own career, I put some proper shit out into the world. I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently because I think I'm going to write a bit of a blog about it, um, you know, about how this, it, it, it's, this is the point. This is how it works. This is the point of a creative career. Like, you just have to start somewhere. And the whole point for, for me doing this was just to help people. You know, there's no titles around anymore. There's no options, really, for people that are, that are looking to get into this game other than social and that's pretty much unpaid so you know I just wanted to like basically give people an opportunity and some support at the beginning of their careers and I make no apologies for that so the other thing I'll say is one of the goons that's giving me this shit the other night used to work for a surf mag that happily ran pretty much soft porn pictures of women until about 10 years ago and he's currently employed from what I can see banging out rubbish clickbait for shit surf sites around the world so go figure anyway despite the fact it was the most hectic month of the year I did enjoy doing all this live speaking stuff very much indeed and I'm definitely keen to do some more in 2024 hopefully the cold will have disappeared by then if you've got any ideas you want to book me to do so give me a shout although as you'll know if you followed me for a while i don't do stuff for free unless a it's for close friends or b i believe in it very much if you are thinking of asking me or anybody to do something for free then have a word with yourself what are you doing pay people pay people properly and if you can't afford to pay people then why are you asking people to do stuff because you can't afford it um i'm also mentoring as well at the minute very much enjoying that. I've got a few more slots open in the new year. Um, if anyone is interested, again, hit me up if so. All right, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Chris and Demi and the panel. Thanks for listening, for supporting what I do. And I'll be back soon. Nice one. <laughs>